Hello everyone, you're listening to the Baladins Live podcast. I'm your host Jana Komarnitska and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Baladins art form. Plus, I really like like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. Jelena and Baladance Evolution are back, taking their show and programs across the globe. You know how many guests we had previously on this podcast sharing how much their experience with BDE pushed their dance career. You can have it too. Audition for Jelena's latest production and join Jungle Book cast. All details at www.joinbde.com. Direct link in the show notes, joinbde.com. This episode is quite special in many different senses. First of all, you will hear one of the lectures from our new program, new intensive at the Anadins Club, dedicated to archetypes of ancient Egyptian goddesses and how we can use them in dance. So the topic is very specific and intriguing. And in this lecture, you will discover, first of all, a little bit about mythology, about goddess Isis specifically. In the intensive, it's more than one goddess, but I decided to to share this particular one because it's one of the most powerful goddesses in the Egyptian mythology and one of the most known and we all dance with Isis wings but let's uh, learn a little bit more about goddess Isis herself. I right away want to note that I'm not a historian expert or mythology expert, but I use a lot the power of archetypes, images, and associations in my own practice. And members of the Yanadans Club definitely know that sometimes we have a very straightforward, typical classes, tutorials, drills that, okay, shimmy, it's a shimmy. But even in those ones, I add a lot of associations and comparisons, and sometimes I go... Uh, a little bit crazy and unusual and for new people it may seem like what's going on but I truly believe that sometimes given some comparison and some strange image can really help to get to actual understanding because we can talk about mechanics of the movement but sometimes one comparison and one image in our mind can just help our brain and body to click and put everything on spot instead of trying to go like move this muscle this way and then there and then here etc. So I do use a lot the power of imagination in the practice and training but also when we are talking about emotional expression and stage present that's uh, I, where I feel the association in the world of uh, fantasy and metaphors really shines and really helps us to unleash our full potential in this area because this topic is very very specific it's very difficult to teach those kind of things like stage presence or emotionality or uh, projection of energy and it's also very difficult to really learn and uh, absorb all the information because it's very individual thing so that's why from time to time I try to create very unusual and uh, unique programs. And one of these programs is our recent intensive Archetypes of Egyptian 
ancient Egyptian goddesses, which was created in collaboration with the Egyptian and Rosa Cruz Museum in Curitiba, Brazil. Actually, the idea itself was inspired while we were visiting this museum as regular uh, people, uh, tourists, uh, and uh, looking through the amazing exhibition uh, that presented in the museum. And that's where the idea clicked, how we can use the idea and the character of Egyptian goddesses in dance and how it can help us to improve our dance presentation. So in this episode, you will hear one of the lectures which I recorded specifically for the intensive at the Yana Dance Club. You will learn different stories um, about mythology, about Isis, and hopefully it will help you to get better understanding of the importance of this goddess in the Egyptian mythology. But also I will show you and give a little sneak peek of how you can use this archetype or this idea in your dancing. And I'm not talking about trying to create presentation, imitating that you are goddess Isis on stage. It's not about that. You can dance folkloric Saidi or tango fusion or drum solo and still use those skills in any kind of your performance. And the same will apply not only to the idea of goddesses as archetypes, but it can be to a fairy tale characters or some animals. Sometimes you can um, dance a regular measure, but think about a cat walking on a rooftop and it will bring certain quality to your movements and to your energy and your emotions on stage, although your performance has nothing to do with cat itself. So this is just one of the examples as a tool for you to get into a certain state, emotional state and inner state. In the lecture itself, you will also hear me referring to the technique drill because the as a part of the intensive, it's not just about lectures. We had some practical classes. And even if you don't have access to the practical class, if you're not a member of the Yana Dance Club, it still will give you some ideas of how you can incorporate and make it your own and maybe transform and uh, come up with something uh, different specifically for you, but using the idea and concepts of how you can use these characters and these archetypes in your dancing. So I hope you will enjoy this unusual uh, episode uh, that we have today. If you're interested in checking the entire intensive, I will include link in the show notes. In the intensive, we work on three goddesses or the archetypes of three goddesses, Isis, Bastad, and Hathor. And we explore different nuances, how we can incorporate certain elements and certain characteristics to enhance our own dancing through the image of these goddesses. So the link will be in the show notes. You can check it out. But even this lecture on its own, I hope it will benefit you. It will enhance your dancing or at least give you some ideas, new ideas for your practice. And afterwards, let me know what you think, if you got something new out of it. And as usual, don't forget to screenshot and share with your uh, dance friends on social media, tag me. I love reposting your uh, stories, uh, seeing which podcast episodes you're listening to, and also getting to know our audience even more. Enjoy the episode, and I hope to hear from you soon. 
This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, a meeting place for committed dance enthusiasts of all levels. Most of our members shared that the club helped them to improve consistency in their training, meet new dance friends, and discover various topics through hundreds of different tutorials. This is definitely a belly dance training that becomes a lifestyle. Learn more at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes, or simply visit yanadanceclub.com and try for 7 days for free. The first goddess that we are gonna dive in and work is gonna be Isis, or sometimes pronounced as Isis, uh, goddess. And the archetype, uh, this archetype for me is associated with power and expansion, expansion in space, uh, and that's what we are gonna work on in this part of this intensive. Uh, the technique drill was uh, shot at Egyptian Rosa Cruz Museum in Curitiba, Brazil, and specifically the angle that we were filming, you will see, um, was inspired by uh, very typical sort of structures that present in Egypt in historical places that very often in, in uh, front of temples or part of the temples, they were constructed that sort of like little avenues of Sphinx and obelisks. Um, and sometimes they were very small, both obelisks and uh, Sphinx uh, avenues, so all these alleys, uh, but sometimes really big one. And one of the most famous one is located in Luxor. It's actually the this avenue of Sphinx that is just endless. It connects Karnak Temple and Luxor Temple, and I believe it's about 2.7 kilometers just the road with all the Sphinx on the side, and in front of the Luxor, entrance to the Luxor temple, there is a big obelisk. And um, the space that we're filming Technique Drills, it's not in Egypt, it's in Brazil, it's at the museum, but the location that they put there in the museum, this outdoor location, it's inspired by this actual real Egyptian site. So this is just a little information for you of where we are gonna dance. Now, in terms of Isis and her archetype, to understand the association and the message that I want to give you through this uh, class, I want quickly refer to the mythology, but to point out a couple elements that are extremely important uh, for us to fully understand how we can even use this idea and this concept and this character in our dance. So in terms of mythology, we have the main god, Ra. Uh, then he has a son, Osiris, or sometimes called Osiris. Uh, his wife is Isis. So Isis is wife of Osiris. Then Osiris has son Horus and he has his brother Set. In terms of dynamics and how Isis is manifested as a character in mythology, we need to remember that Set, so the brother of Osiris, at some point decided to try to take power for himself and he killed uh, Osiris. And then the myth, it splits, there are two variations. One is a little bit more, let's say, romantic, um, and uh, that the Isis had to travel to the underworld to save Osiris, and she had to pass through uh, several gates, and in front of each gate, she had to take off one piece of her clothing as a like tribute or 
payment to pass through the gate. And the romanticized version is that even the famous dance of seven veils, it comes from this legend of Isis trying to go to underworld to save Osiris. I don't know how true it is to the actual mythology, but I just want to mention here so that you're aware that these associations exist because it's related to dance and dance of seven veils. It's not really part like of Egyptian traditional dance culture, but it's close to related to ballet dance and so that you're aware that it's many people connected to this story. Uh, but another uh, like main story is that uh, supposedly set. When he was killing Osiris, he split his body in different parts and he hid each part in different section uh, around Egypt. And Isis has to travel through around Egypt trying to collect parts of Osiris' body. And the last part that she found, he, it was his sex organ. So when she put him all together, she helped him to be reborn, supposedly through the sex with himself, which resulted in the flood of Nile. And this is very important. All the story and talent, there is a very important topic because the rebirth of Osiris is closely associated to the flood of Nile. And the story as if it has to repeat every year. And the Nile it was and is, but was especially, extremely important to even existence of the Egypt and Egyptian civilization at all, because the fact that Nile was flooding, it was uh, the source and the key for agriculture uh, of the civilization. And that's what provided them food. And in general, throughout the history, Nile um, was also important because it was quite predictable, not always, but quite stable, predictable river, which was flooding every year. And that was providing basically the stability and wealth of the society. And of course, we are talking about thousands and thousands of years of history, so there will be different variations. But generally speaking, in ancient times, it, it uh, um, was considered as a rich civilization, rich society. And Nile was a very, very key element to it. And the fact that it was flooding was very, very important um, for Egyptians, and they were associating it with Osiris. So his rebirth, like as if every year he needs to be reborn, uh, and that helps them, that basically was the physical manifestation of Nile spreading waters and uh, helping people to produce food. But the key element here is that Isis, although it's about Osiris, making Nile flood, but Isis is the one who made it possible. And this is also important because in general, Egyptian civilization, it's a very patriarchal society. But the role of female is very, very important. It's just as a supporting role, or uh, it's maybe not upfront. Like we do know about uh, queens and pharaohs, female pharaohs, but throughout the history in general, uh, female was very strong and powerful and important, but as a support to the pharaoh. 
even many like statues you will see uh, from ancient times that the queen would be close to the king and she will be sort of hugging him as a symbol of support. So although it was patriarchal society, but support of women was very, very important. And it comes from Isis, from this legend, from this myth that she made it possible for Osiris to be reborn and for Nile to flood. This is one element. Uh, also, the same element, remember, uh, it's basically a um, description of the power of Isis because she was associated with both life and death. It's not like she was the goddess of underground world. No, but she was one who helped Osiris to be reborn and this association with life and death and her kind of, not control, but power to influence it, it's very important and it's very archetypical in many different cultures. Even um, our thoughts and very typical phrases like mother nature, let's say, which can be in very different mythologies and different like, cultures, but you say we are talking about nature as its power, as its birth to everything, and you, you probably understand how the import, important the concept is, especially for ancient people, ancient civilizations, and Isis was kind of embodiment of that power of this nature that was both life and death. So this is one element, keep it in mind, it will be important for us archetypically explore in our dance. Second one is, was the fact that she was a mother of Horus, so not only wife of Osiris, but mother of his son Horus. And um, Horus was the first crowned king of Egypt. And he received his crown from his father, Osiris. This is important for you to understand the um, crucial lineage and the role of pharaohs in Egyptian society, because pharaohs were considered to be gods. And the idea was that they take all their roots from original, like, first main gods, Horus, Osiris, and father-grandfather Godra. Um, and interesting fact is that in the Egyptian history, again, if you're looking throughout all the thousands of years, not even 1,000 years, but it's thousands of years, like, uh, it was very typical that pharaohs became ruling uh, powers of Egypt then were very small young kids. And from historical point of view, it's a little bit unusual because if you compare with other civilizations of those times and even later, like even up to medieval times, from practical point of view, for most countries, kingdoms, civilizations, it was most logical to give ruling power to the most mature, uh, stronger male heron of, of this lineage uh, in order so that he can protect the country if their enemies attacking or whatever problems occur. In sense of, in terms of Egypt specifically, it was quite a unique situation because Egypt was very nicely protected from enemies. On one side it was water, which is not that easy to attack from the sea. It's possible, but not that easy. And from other side it's basically a desert. But the Nile, which basically was the key for livelihood of Egypt itself. It was right there in the middle. It was flooding. 
pretty stable. So it was providing food and prosperity for people who lived in Egypt. So Egypt itself was quite protected in most cases, not always, but majority of time in history from outside enemies. And for Egyptians, it became more important to keep this lineage directly from like father to son, to keep this blood lineage of pharaohs, uh, making sure that it's related to gods and the gods are pleased in the Nile floods, rather than going for practical reasons of giving power to the most uh, appropriate or prepared person uh, in the family. Because they didn't have that much threat from outside. And in general, most of the years, they knew they would be quite stable in terms of their like day-to-day life, in terms of like, food, etc. Because Nile was quite predictable river. More, again, with all those exceptions, but most of the times. Uh, so that's why in the history of Egypt, very often you will see young pharaohs, young kids. That's not to say that there are no intrigues in the families and we know all these famous stories, even quite a lot, that, oh, there is like one dynasty trying to take over another one or um, between um, brothers uh, or sisters, like conflicts, um, uh, etc. But again, we are looking at the thousands of years of history. So compared to other civilizations, there are more often cases that the young boys very, very young, became pharaohs. And in this case, he, will, he cannot rule country, obviously. It's just a representation and symbol. Uh, but uh, until he grows up and matures, someone needs to take this executive power. I think it's called regent uh, in English. And Egyptians were smart on that too. And typically, the power of this executive regent or executive pharaoh, let's say, of the power of ruling, it was given again not to the male a member of the family, not to the uncle or brother, because they understood, not brother, uh, like uncle or cousin or someone else, because they understood that the male person still at some point may have their own ego, like why would I do it on behalf of a young kid if I can take the power for myself? They were take, given that ruling uh, powers often to female members, to mothers or sisters, or maybe other female relatives, because for them it was the most secure way to ensure that a female member of the family will be on the side, on the side of the pharaoh, and she will try to protect him and make sure that he will grow up and became, become a pharaoh, because again, it's a patriarchal society, but female person of the family kind of has her own interest to support family and support her young relative fair. And Isis, coming back, Isis was basically the first mother or the mother of the first king of Egypt, who was Horus, who was God himself. But according again to different legends uh, and different variations of this myth, it also sometimes you can see uh, it said that Set killed Osiris then Horus was still young boy, so Isis had to protect him and make sure to take care of all the things until he can grow up, mature, and take revenge on his father. But the importance for us is that Isis, not only her association with love, life, and death, but also the fact that she was the mother of the first king of Egypt, and metaphorically, she basically was the mother of every next pharaoh.
and that's her importance and that's her power. So with all that prehistory now, and of course it's a little snippet of that, I'm not like, you know, a historian or like a real uh, um, expert uh, geeking on Egyptian mythology. It's just like the research and knowledge that I gathered here and that caught my attention from the perspective of how we can use it in dance. But with all the history, I think you already can understand and associate the archetype of Isis, her persona, her like character with uh, a lot of power and not like physical power, but the power in terms of what she was capable of doing and the importance to the Egypt, Egyptian civilization in general. And through that image and that archetype, I want you to explore, I want us to explore the idea of our power and stage present and expansion. And in order to do that, we are going to use the help of a prop, but this will be just the entrance prop, the entrance uh, step into this topic. So the prop that I chose to use in the technique drill is Isis wings. Obviously, it's the most common, typical association. We even call it Isis wings. Don't worry, you don't have to use Isis wings to do the technique drill itself. It's not about that, but of course, I thought like, okay, Isis. Uh, wings, uh, uh, we use them, might as well also use in the class. If you have, it will be great. A little remark on the wings itself, because that's a symbol of Isis. She's very often depicted with those wings. And there are different variations, again, why wings and Isis. Uh, one of them is that this is a depiction of birds, um, kites or female uh, falcons, I believe. Uh, so the birds that were associated uh, with or reminded the cry of women, uh, mourning um, women. So this is common in different cultures. Then someone dies, uh, it's typical, it was typical to invite a group of women who would sit overnight or sometimes several nights and who would cry, shout, and basically mourn the, the person. And the stronger the cry and the stronger the uh, shouting, it's kind of the better for this ritual. This present not only in Egyptian culture, in other cultures too, but in Egypt it was typical too. So there are birds whose cry, whose shouts, remind this cry of this women. And don't get like super like... Uh, shocked right now, like, oh my god, is that what we are dancing with <laughs> when we take Isis wings? No, of course. Uh, it's just a symbolic association with birds, because again, this can be a symbol not of death necessarily, or mourning after someone. It's a death of, it's a symbol of power and a symbol of rebirth. Very often in Egyptian culture and history, birds and wings associated with renewed life. Another variation and myth say like the Isis kind of brought uh, a a fresh air with her wings when she traveled to the underworld uh, kingdom to uh, save Osiris. So again, it's not association with something bad or sad or negative or dark. Uh, it's more like the symbol of life and death cycle and use it from that perspective. But that's, of course, uh, it's a symbol of Isis, and that's why I use it in the technique drill. But for you, if you don't have Isis wings, or if you don't have space to do Isis wings, you can use a regular veil. Because in the technique drill, what I want to put emphasis 
is on two things. First, it's expansion and um, feeling bigger in space through the help of physical, like we have a prop, you have some item that makes us bigger, but it's more on uh, actually transformative to more internal state. But also a second element, I want to put emphasis on the connection with the prop, because very typical problem that we see often on stage, we see a dancer, and we see a prop in her head, which kind of feels separate and as if she needs to battle with that prop or trying to make it move in the direction that she wants to move it, etc. But I want really to focus, it's not about technique. You will see, I barely do any real dance movements with isoswings. It's more about like just holding and doing little movements in space, but through the feeling of connection. So you feel the prop is the extension of you. If you refer to our previous intensive on veil, I kept repeating, don't battle your veil, feel, find a way to feel that it's extension of you. The same with isoswings, the same with cane, that okay, it will be different, adding, you, you're expanding your power to use different speeds in space, but it's not separate, it's you making it. Um, when you dance with shamadan, again, it's not something pressing on top of your head and making you feel like more pressed down and heavy, but that weight of shamadan becomes part of your weight, it becomes embodied in your body and you're not thinking about how can I balance my shamadan all the time, but you're feeling that weight, you embody it and you dance according, you move in space that whole weight. So it becomes not some kind of a struggle, it becomes your power, the, the fact that now you're heavier because you have this shamadan. So it's this can be explored in different props. Now we're just using it from the sense of eyes and swings, holding them in hand and letting them expand and make them us feel uh, bigger. And since we're talking a lot about symbolism here and it's very metaphorical kind of work, that can be transformed into the dancing without any props too. Because when you come on stage with this presence of inner power, as if Isis walks on, not to say that you're dancing anything related to Isis, but it's about this internal state, internal archetype. You have this power, you feel that extension, that you're bigger, but that extension doesn't need to go through the prop. It can be from surrounding environment. The air can become extension of you. The stage light can feel like extension of you. The eyes of the audience can feel extension of you. So using a prop in this specific practice is just a tool to help us get to that internal state. And my hope that after you do all this work, the idea and the archetype of Isis will become associated with that internal state of more power, more expansion, more control. And whenever you're on stage, and sometimes we get shy or we get nervous or we feel unstable, unbalanced, like internal especially, uh, or afraid sometimes, like nervous. Once you get to that point on stage, my hope is that after this work, you will just need to kind of think about Isis archetype and all the work that you have done, and it will help you to find way quicker that internal state of confidence, uh, power, uh, and full stage presence.
So good luck with this very nuanced, very internal work. Again, either use Isosynx or use Veil for the technique drill. And afterwards, I highly recommend you take some music right after drill and just do improvisation. And for that, you can choose any music you want and any prop that you want, but go from the internal state of how you feel connected to this prop, that it's extension of you and the physical extension in space because you have something else beyond your body also can help you to get that uh, internal feeling of being more expanded, bigger and more powerful in your practice, in your dance, and then afterwards be taken on stage for your performances. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimming and keep dancing.